The Truth News Network. Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. Nobody can put it together better than Pete Moss in the description of what we face today. I know you probably agree with him. Hey, welcome to Truth News Network's TNN Live. We're so glad you join us. We're here every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. And we bring together a lot of different people from different parts of the earth, as a matter of fact. We have people listening in from Australia, from um, the United Kingdom, all across Europe, even Russia and China, and of course, our friends up to the north in Canada, even South America. We're so thankful that all of you choose to join us just to get a version, a truthful version of all those things you're hearing coming out of the United States. Especially a hello to our buddies at Sky News down in Australia. Uh, I found out that you hear them here, of course, pretty regularly because they report on stuff up here about 12 hours before it gets to here. They're ahead of us. But they listen to us occasionally as well. And I want to say thank you to our buddies down there. We're looking for the truth from whomever, from wherever we can find it. And getting more input with more facts makes making choices and decisions a little bit easier for us. And I don't care how easy you make it, folks. It's not simple. It's not easy. Things are really bleak out there. Just completely being honest. Things are looking tough, and if you get bogged down in what you see right in front of your nose, you're going to get bogged down because you can't put two and two together and get four under the equations that are being shoved down our throats by our government today. I mean, every day when you when you think, hey, I've seen it all, it can't get any worse. <laughs> it gets worse. And I, I just think we're at the beginning of this. I don't think we're anywhere near getting resolution and all of this chaos and the divisiveness and the purposeful division that's being thrust into our lives every day by our leaders in Washington. Remember, especially one, Joe Biden. Well, I'm not going to dig into today's front page story at truthnewsnet.org. You can do that. What we do there is we give you a um, an in-depth picture of what your fellow Americans think about the job this president has been doing since January the 20th. And most Americans, folks, I said most Americans, more than half, don't think he's doing a good job, don't like the things specifically that are happening on his watch. And all of the major issues that face our nation today, and I don't even need to name them, I mean, we could go down a laundry list and just point to this and this and this and this. Every one of them, your fellow Americans believe the responsibility for each of those lies solely at the feet of this president and others in his administration. I ran down from um, a television to get on the show with you because 
Our Secretary of Defense is testifying right now before the Senate Armed Services Committee, and it's specifically about everything to do with the Afghanistan withdrawal. General Lloyd Austin is there, also Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, um, General Milley, and CENTCOM Director, Head of CENTCOM, uh, General McEnany? That's not right. Anyway, they're all three there to testify before the Senate uh, Armed Services Committee. I heard just a little bit of Secretary of Defense Austin's introduction to what he was talking about, and I just got the whole picture, a synopsis of everything that he's going to present to the senators, is that everything is okay, that everything went well. Yeah, there were some glitches in the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but those were to be expected. And yeah, we accidentally killed 11 civilian Afghanis with a drone strike, and we were going after a really bad Taliban guy, and it was just a mistake that we made. And he actually said that the draw out, the withdrawal, the way that our U.S. military handled it went really well. His words, not mine. I don't know what version of that pullout that he saw, but what I saw was anything but going well the entire time. And don't forget, they won't tell us. I promise you, our Pentagon, our Defense Department, and the President, they know how many Americans are still stuck behind enemy lines in Afghanistan because of the egregious inactions of this administration. So what are we doing? What are we doing over here right now? I'm not talking about our government. What are you and I doing? What are we doing about all of this? I mean, let's face it. We've got tit and tat in our nation among the populace. I mean, literally tit and tat opposites from each other. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no moderate in our government politically, nor in our populace politically. You're either all in for this version or all in for that version, period. Used to be you had people that could straddle, that could look at certain parts of a political narrative and say, you know what? I kind of go along with that, but this other stuff, not quite so much. There's hardly any of that left. The independence. I mean, true independence. A lot of people, they've withdrawn their registration from the Republican Party or from the Democrat Party, and they've denoted themselves in their voter registration as being independent. Why? They don't want to be associated with either side, although they are stuck right in the middle, which most of those people, by the way, are really conservatives, but they don't identify with the so-called conservative Republican Party any longer. And the same thing holds true on the other side. We used to have the moderate, the middle of the Democrat Party, and then a little fringe on the left. Not so much anymore. That fringe has grown, and it exacerbated the far-left philosophy of numerous Americans. And I think what happened, they just came out of the closet. Some of them literally... But most of them just being people that did not voice their far-left opinions until the likes of AOC came aboard and began to scream from the mountaintops about the greatness 
of true socialism. You know what? Most Americans living today don't remember World War II. I wasn't alive when World War II started or when it ended. Or if you are an American and you do remember it, it's through what their parents or grandparents told them about it. That's where I got my stories. My father served in the Navy in World War II. WW2 was not fought on American soil, thank God. We went to war in Europe to stop the slaughter of millions of folks at the hands of an authoritarian fascist government commanding the army of the Third Reich that killed in the name, get this, in the name of the public health and safety. Even an authoritarian communist government slaughtered many more millions during a reign of terror in the Soviet Union. Most of our kids today aren't taught what happened in China after World War II. When? That's when the Chinese Communist Party implemented the Great Leap Forward and the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution. Those militant ideological cleansing campaigns imprisoned and killed tens of millions of citizens. Why? Because those tens of millions of citizens in China criticized or opposed authoritarian government policies. Here in America, we've taken our freedom for granted because while we've been willing to fight to defend the freedom of other folks, we've never been called upon to defend it in our own backyard. Most Americans have never even imagined we would experience a serious threat to autonomy and freedom of thought, freedom of speech, of conscience, and freedom of assembly. So deep has been our trust in the laws and cultural values which have for the most part ensured fundamental freedoms in our country that we never believed it could happen here. But listen to this. The last 20 months have changed everything. Everything. Many Americans have begun to understand that tyranny can be disguised to look like safety even as many others still cannot bring themselves to believe it. Striking fear into the hearts and minds of the people, the move toward authoritarianism in America began with government officials suddenly telling us one day, even children as young as two, that we could not breathe fresh air or enter public spaces without a mask covering our faces. Millions of American workers, judged to be non-essential, lost the ability to earn a living so they could eat and pay rent during, you remember the flatten the curve lockdowns we were told would only last a few weeks, but instead went on for months. Anybody who criticized government narratives about the origin of COVID-19, the virus, or questioned social distancing restrictions was immediately publicly shamed and censored, and if you had any kind of public persona, you were instantly demonized and canceled. Any doctors who tried then, and even right now today, to provide early treatment to COVID-19 patients by repurposing safe and effective licensed drugs and even nutritional supplements to help their patients survive the infection, those doctors were also publicly shamed, censored, and many get canceled. 
Then after the FDA granted Pfizer and Moderna an EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization in December of 2020, to distribute their liability-free experimental mRNA COVID-19 vaccines here in the U.S., public health officials enlisted big tech, big corporations, to launch a hard-sell national vaccine advertising campaign targeting all Americans over the age of 12. Anybody who asked questions or challenged the hard sell was immediately censored on social media. State governments and employers were encouraged to threaten their workers, especially healthcare workers and emergency responders, with loss of their jobs for refusing the vaccine. Private businesses were encouraged to deny unvaccinated citizens entry to restaurants, to stores, and other public venues. Don't think about going to a football game or a baseball game, or a soccer match. By the end of July, just a couple of months ago, the Department of Veterans Affairs directed all VA healthcare workers to get fully vaccinated or lose their jobs. In early August, the Department of Defense announced that all military service members must be fully vaxxed when the FDA officially licenses a COVID-19 vaccine or be fired. Suddenly, on August 23rd, the Pfizer mRNA vaccine was licensed without even a public meeting of the FDA Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. It's never happened before. That committee has always weighed in, especially on an important issue like this one. There was no full disclosure of the scientific data that supported this licensing. By the end of August, about 176 million Americans had been fully vaxxed, representing 53.6% of our population of 333 million people. That's the third largest on the planet. And studies have confirmed that the SARS-CoV-2 infection mortality rate in the U.S. today is still less than 1%. But the executive branch of the U.S. government wasn't happy, folks. Federal health officials had publicly set the goal of persuading 90% of Americans to get the shot. Although it's clear now that the real goal all along was a 100% vax rate, no exceptions, no questions asked, and nothing could deter them from shoving it down our throats. At the beginning of September... I mean, that's not long ago, folks. That's three weeks. The politics of persuasion gave way to an iron-fisted approach using the heel of the boot of the state to try to club 100 million unvaccinated Americans into submission. On the 9th of this month, the president followed the advice of top public health officials and, in effect, declared war on every unvaccinated American. He scapegoated, and he placed all the blame for the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic on the unvaccinated, even though federal health officials admit that fully vaxxed people can still get infected and transmit the virus to others, even though breakthrough COVID infections, hospitalizations, and deaths in fully vaxxed people are on the rise themselves. 
And even though evidence shows individuals who have recovered from the infection have stronger natural immunity than those who have been vaxxed, and even though officials at the WHO now say that the COVID-19 virus is mutating like the flu and is likely to become prevalent in every county, every country, no matter how high the vaccination rate. The president told 100 million unvaxxed Americans. He told me, I'm one of those 100 million. I have not been vaccinated. He told us that our patience is running thin. His patience, our patience, he said. Who's our? He issued an executive order that every person working for the executive branch of the federal government, more than 2 million people must get fully vaccinated or lose their jobs. That order also applied to about 17 million healthcare professionals working in medical facilities that accept Medicare and Medicaid. But let me tell you who it didn't apply to, and he didn't say anything about this. You work in the White House, you don't have to get vaxxed. You are a member of Congress, you don't have to get vaxxed. Your workers that work for you in offices at the White House, off-site White House workers, and congressional offices on both sides of the Capitol, Capitol Police, you don't have to get vaxxed, but it sounded good. The president said, if it's good enough for us, the federal workers, it's good enough for every American. Except there were a bunch of exceptions that he made, and I'm whispering like he often does when he wants to make a point. There's no option for executive branch employees to get tested. The rule is to get vaxxed or be fired. It's interesting that the order didn't apply to workers in the, the judicial branch even. <laughs> I failed to mention that when I gave you the run of the federal employees that got the Biden excuse. The president also ordered the Department of Labor to issue a rule that carries penalties of $14,000 per violation to force private companies with more than 100 employees to get their workers fully vaxxed or to be tested every week. He also called for all teachers and school staff and all schools to be fully vaxxed. And then the next day, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and you know his name, the COVID god, Dr. Anthony Fauci, criticized the president. He shouldn't have done that, he said. No, that's not what Fauci said. He said Biden didn't go far enough. Fauci said the government should give Americans no option but to get injected with the biological product that some describe as a vaccine, others characterize as a genetic therapy or cell disruptor biological, and others allege as a bioweapon made in a lab in China with funding from you and me, taxpayers. In that same speech, Fauci said all children must be vaccinated or denied a school education, and all unvaccinated people must be banned from getting on an airplane. At the same time, a Virginia congressman introduced the Safety Travel Act that would require travelers getting on a plane or Amtrak train in the U.S. to show proof of COVID vax or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of boarding. Today, right now as we speak, people in some cities are being denied entrance to restaurants and stores if they can't prove they've been fully vaccinated. Doctors are refusing to provide medical care to the unvaccinated. Can you believe that? 
Hollywood entertainers are celebrating the deaths of unvaccinated people saying they deserve to die and are calling for the unvaccinated who get COVID to be denied admission to hospitals for treatment. But you know who they say it's okay to go to the hospital to get treated for COVID? If you've been vaccinated, then it's okay. Wait a minute. I smell a rat there. There's a little conundrum in that thinking. The reason they demand that we all get vaccinated is so we don't get COVID and therefore we can't transmit COVID to other people, right? The science says that's not true anymore, but yet they keep beating their drum of totalitarianism backed up by President Joe Biden. Judges are separating kids from mothers who have not gotten a COVID shot. Influential scientists were insisting lawmakers make it a hate crime for anyone to publicly criticize scientists and government health officials. Dissenters are told, you're selfish, and you're characterized as an enemy of the state for simply defending the human right to informed consent. Wow, that's a great-sounding term, informed consent to medical risk-taking. The normalizing of the ritualistic persecution of Americans who are refusing to give the right to autonomy which is the first and most fundamental human right, not American right, human right, it's underway. The Orwellian message is this. The life of any person who dissents from government policy must be systematically destroyed. Demanding obedience, government health officials characterize public health policies that segregate discriminate, turn people against each other. They recognize that as the common good. Yet a lot of Americans instinctively know segregation and discrimination are not good. Have I ever heard that before? Let's see, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., President John F. Kennedy, oh, and Joe Biden. Yet a lot of Americans instinctively know segregation. It's not only not good, it's horrible, it's evil. But now they're reconciling it. In certain circumstances, that's okay to do. They know that persuading a majority of citizens to scapegoat a minority of citizens to cover up the failures of government is allowing evil to win. Dissenting Americans, both vaxxed and unvaxxed, Fill the ranks of every socioeconomic class, every political party, and every faith-based community. They understand the meaning of the warning that the only thing necessary for triumph of evil for good men to do nothing. And they're not going to stand by and do nothing. When government threatens to take away an individual's right to employment, to education, to health care, and the ability to enter a store to buy food, enter a hospital or travel on public transportation. There's only one word for it. Not a bunch. Only one word fits that throughout the history of the earth, not just here, but in the earth. As a matter of fact, we haven't ever seen this here. What's that one word? Government tyranny. Tyranny. This virus 
right now today, even without vaxes, has a 99% plus survival rate. And this leaky vaccine, which fails to reliably prevent infection and transmission in the fully vaccinated, has racked up a record-breaking more than half a million vaccine adverse event reports in the United States alone. It will not be the last virus and vaccine to be weaponized against the people in the name of the greater good. The latest Vax, V-A-E-R-S, extraordinary reactions to this vaccine, the latest report, right when we get finished with this one, I'm going to give it to you. It's going to blow your mind. It's unbelievably bad. The government and the quote-unquote health experts are ignoring it. Every single American, whether you've been vaccinated or not, should stop to reflect upon what is happening in our country. Think about what liberty means. Imagine what life would be like in the future if you can't leave your house without being harnessed to a government-issued digital ID which contains personal information about your body and your life and is hooked up to an electronic surveillance system that records and controls every move you make. You want me to scare you a little bit? I saw a video yesterday. A group of people were told, people from different parts of the world were at this conference. They were asked, you got your passport? Pull it out. They pulled it out. Three people pulled it out. And the guy that was speaking said, Tear the back of the cover, the, the, the paper that's glued to the back of the cover on the inside. Tear it off at the top. They all did it. Different countries. Every one of them found a computer chip embedded in their passports. Three of those people were from the U.S. Big Brother, George Orwell told us, Big Brother, well, he's watching, folks. Imagine if you're a healthcare worker and your medical license is taken from you if you refuse to get a government-mandated vaccine, which is a public health policy being implemented already in Washington, D.C., a city where doctors can now vaccinate kids as young as 11 years old without the knowledge or consent of their mom or dad. Imagine if you can't hold any type of job or enter a grocery store to buy food to feed your family, enter a drugstore, a cafe, a gym, a school, a cinema, a museum, park bench, or church without showing proof that you've been vaccinated. Imagine if you're denied entrance to a doctor's office or lose your Medicare and Social Security benefits just because you don't have a vaccine passport. That's a suggestion made recently, folks, on national television. Imagine if you can't get on a plane or bus to visit your kids or elderly parents just because federal government officials have exercised authority over interstate commerce and banned the unvaxxed from crossing state borders, an action that's already being proposed of forced vaccination and are urging the current administration to invoke that you can't cross state borders unvaxxed. Imagine if you can't get a driver's license, file your taxes, open or access your bank account, or use a credit card to make a purchase if you fail to produce the required VAX paperwork stamped by the government. Imagine if you or your child have already suffered a previous serious vaccine reaction or have an underlying inflammatory immune disorder 
that increases your risk for being harmed by vaccination. But doctors refuse to see you because you're unvaxxed, which is already happening, folks, in America today. And you're denied admission to a hospital for some type of life-saving operation. If you think that the vaccine passport is only about this virus and this vaccine, think again, folks. Forced vaccination was always the end game, both before and during this pandemic, and the proof of that lies in the decades of federal legislation and federal agency rulemaking that have paved the way for what we are watching play out in our nation today. Right now, forced vaccination is the quickest means to what the World Economic Forum transparently describes on his website as, and here we go, you've heard it before, we've stayed away from it because we're labeled a conspiracy theorist if you say these words. What words, Dan? The Great Reset. There's a roadmap to this that's been published and transcribed and touted for decades. The Great Reset. You, your children, your grandchildren, are the commodity. And in the name of the greater good, you are expected to obediently allow others to reset your lives in all kinds of ways without making a sound and certainly without your permission. The government-issued passport allowing you to function in society is just step number one on the slippery slope to what will be many more requirements and restrictions on your freedom in the days and the months and the years to come. The question is, will you allow yourself to be used and abused by those currently holding the power to do what they want to do to you? Or will you defend your God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Government didn't give you those rights. They are God-given. This pandemic of deception and incompetence is stolen from our daily lives, the peace and joy we deserve to have, leaving too many of us confused and paralyzed by fear, divided from our family and friends, crippled with anxiety and despair, allowing hopelessness to rule our days. It doesn't have to be like this. We choose how we're going to process it. We can refuse to be psychologically manipulated so we are unable to engage in rational thinking and are crippled by fear. We can push back. Push back against the authoritarians, taking away our freedom, trying to divide us. We can do it the way that all successful social reform movements before us have done, through actively participating in local, in state, and federal government, and by engaging in nonviolent civil disobedience, if that becomes necessary. Instead of allowing ourselves to be separated from each other, we can stay connected. We can meet together in small groups in our homes and in our neighborhoods. We can develop personal relationships with our elected officials at every level of government, from our local sheriff and elected members of local school boards and city and county councils to our elected state and federal legislators. If we don't like the way the people we have elected are governing, we can vote them out 
or run for office ourselves and help change laws. We can talk to the young men and women serving in our community police departments and the U.S. military to remind them of how important it is to value and protect human rights and civil liberties so that if they're ever called upon to implement authoritarian rule, they'll make the right choice. Above all, we can be self-disciplined and make rational decisions that don't lead to violent confrontations because that kind of behavior only plays into the hands of those whose ultimate goal is to take away autonomy and take away more individual freedoms for us, from us, here in the United States. Do you remember the civil rights movement? Well, during that time, the 50s and 60s, the most profound statements were made by those who sat down in the front of the bus or in a chair at a segregated restaurant or other public place and simply refused to move. Today, there are restaurant owners in Manhattan who are refusing to follow orders directing them to discriminate against and deny service to the unvaxxed. There are veteran healthcare workers on the front lines caring for patients during the pandemic who are being fired for supporting informed consent rights and giving up their careers to stand on principle. I have a person in my family that is a career pharmacist that has done just that. A worldwide corporation that this person works for in healthcare basically kicked her to the curb for her refusal to vaccinate people with COVID-19 vaccines. Many of these folks suspect the next cruel order they'll be told to obey is to deny life-saving medical treatment to unvaccinated patients. They're corporate CEOs. And, and remember, there's less than a 1% chance if you get COVID, you're going to die. The odds are higher you're going to get killed in a car wreck. <laughs> there are corporate CEOs and union leaders who are refusing to bow to political pressure to require rank-and-file workers to get the vaccine or risk losing their jobs. There are courageous doctors and scientists, I know some, who have never spoken out publicly before, who are risking their careers by demanding that mass vaccination policies be backed up by what? Real. Good. Science. Those people are challenging the government's narrative that natural immunity is not as good as vaccine-acquired immunity, who are criticizing the long-term safety of mRNA vaccines, and who are providing convincing evidence that the SARS-CoV-2 virus did not spontaneously jump out of a bat, but was genetically altered, engineered by scientists in biohazard labs. There are state lawmakers who are listening to the people refusing to vote for the passage of forced vaccination laws that perpetuate the illusion that vaccine passports are the only solution to end this pandemic. These Americans are rejecting authoritarianism. They are heroes, and they're on the right side of history. They and many other brave Americans are helping us make our way through this time of fear, oppression, and suffering when the cultural values and beliefs that have guaranteed freedom in this great country of ours are being tested. I believe we're going to come together and pass this test. We will act responsibly to protect our liberty. 
we will restore the spirit of freedom to its rightful place at the center of our culture. We will do it because we know that if the state can tag, track down, and force individuals against their will to be injected with biologicals of known and unknown toxicity today, then there will be no limit on which individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. You can choose to be a hero wherever you live. You can choose to reject the ugly call to shame and punish your friends, your family members, neighbors, colleagues, and fellow citizens for defending the human right to autonomy and the protection of bodily integrity, which is the essence of the informed consent ethic. You can choose freedom over fear. Be the one who never has to say you did not do today what you could have done to change tomorrow. Do it for yourself. Do it for your children. Do it for your grandchildren and for all the generations to come. You may not have heard this before, but it's your body, your choice. It's your health, your family, your choice. And our mission continues, no forced vaccination, not in the United States of America. So to close this segment out, this was published last Friday on the CDC website. They publish it every week. It's called the VAERS Report, V-A-E-R-S, COVID Vaccine Adverse event reports. I'm just going to give you the highlights. This is through September 17th. It's published a week behind. So far, and these numbers are reported, folks. These are not the total numbers in these categories. And the CDC t- tells us that. They estimate that the numbers in each category of actual incidents are 10 times more than the numbers I'm going to give you. So far, reported Deaths from vaccines, all of these are incidents, effects, adverse effects that come directly from the vaccines. Deaths, January 1 of this year through September 17th, 15,386. Hospitalizations, 66,642. Urgent care, 82,854. Doctor office visits, 114,127. Anaphylaxic shock incidents, 6,378. Bell's palsy, 8,626. Miscarriages, 2,122. 7,267 heart attacks. 6,812 incidents of myocarditis and pericarditis. 20,789 permanently disabled Americans. Thrombocytopenia low platelet, 3,231. Life-threatening other events, 16,057. 28,168 severe allergic reactions. Shingles, 8,153. That's of 7,000, excuse me, 726,963 reports of adverse reactions, January 1 
through September 17th. 726,000, almost 727,000. So you want to look back a few years real quickly? How about let's look at the turn of the century, 1999. Let's just look at the deaths from adverse reactions from just vaccines, all vaccines rolled in together. Let's go all the way back to 1990. In the year 1990, deaths, 80, 80, 91, 166, 92, 228, 93, 234, 94, come on now, 94, 237, 95, 158, 96, 151, 97, 173, 1998, 172, 99, 179, 2000, turn of the century, 212. Let's just skip forward 10 years. 2010, 319. 2011, 331. uh, 2012, 316. 2013, 339. 2014, 358. 2015, 377. 437 in 2016 and 2017, 467. In 2018, 535. 2019, 605. In 2020, 421. And in 2021, 15,633. That is more just so far this year since January 1, 15,600. We're, we're just talking about deaths only, folks. Not all the other stuff. Deaths only. That number of deaths, 15,633. Compare that to the total number before January 1 this year, since 1990, roll all of the deaths from adverse reactions to all of the vaccinations. I'm talking about the stuff you get when you're a kid before you can go to school. All of those rolled in. The total from 1990 to January 1st this year was 1,090. This year alone, not all of the others, just COVID-19 vaccinations, 15,633 deaths. You know what the tragedy is? Of course, there is a tragedy. The big overarching tragedy is that people died, and they died needlessly. We're not talking about people that just died from a case of COVID. We're talking about people that got vaccinations to stop getting COVID, and they die from the vaccine. The government is complicit in this. And you know how I know? I'm not, this isn't a conspiracy, folks. If they weren't involved in this, if they weren't hiding this or attempting to, they'll tell you if you bring it up. Oh, it's we publish it on our website, the CDC does. But they never point it out. They never draw attention to it. Why? Because they don't want people to know. They don't want Truth News Network to be talking about it. If you read our stories on Facebook, we always put a link there on Facebook, They'll do a disclaimer. We're shocked that they haven't canceled us yet. Maybe we haven't done it on a consistent basis to be tagged. But they don't want the truth out there. And big tech is up to their eyeballs. And I mean all in with our federal government. 
And there are billions of dollars changing hands from big tech to government all over this. And the other way around too, by the way. That's the reason you know they're complicit. Primarily because they won't even talk about this. They don't even mention this. If Dr. Fauci is the anointed one, if he is the COVID God and knows everything about COVID and everything else medically, infectious diseases, he's an epidemiologist, virologist, all those roll into one. And if he is a real American and wants to be an American hero and he wants us to swallow his expert healthcare advice without even contemplating the veracity of what he tells us. He needs to tell us about everything, even when it makes him and other healthcare experts look bad. Why? They all swore in that Hippocratic Oath. They were going to take care of us. They were going to do everything within their power when they treat people. And nobody can intelligently say that what Fauci does is not treat us because we, especially in the early days of this, we hung on every word because we were petrified with horror that COVID-19, a simple little virus, could do what it's done to our nation. He's in this up to his eyeballs, if not deeper. And every day it appears more and more that our government, from the top on down, is in this up to their eyeballs as well. Wow. Wow. 45 minutes, but it's out there, folks. You might want to share that first part of the show today with your friends and relatives, and you can do that shortly after the show ends. We'll post this podcast in MP3 format at the bottom of today's story, and you can go grab it. You can download it for nothing and use it like you want to. Listen to it again yourself or share it among your friends. Ten minutes after the show is over, you can go to truthnewsnet.org. Go to today's story, and it's about Uncle Joe. It's about how your fellow Americans feel about him. Scroll down at the bottom, and there's a link there. Just copy and paste it. Use it as you will. Believe it or not, we got a lot more stuff to talk about today. We're going to get underway doing that right after this. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. 
The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. Our future. Our future depends on us. Everybody's future depends on us. The us is everybody that's drawing a breath today anywhere on this planet. And uh, we're all supposed to be in this together. And I think many of us are, but I think more and more it becomes apparent that it's us against them. And that's not a comfortable uh, revelation when you consider that we're the us and they're the them and they've got most of the power and authority. Yeah, we gave it to them by electing them and putting them in office and we have the ability and the responsibility to make that change when we feel like it's best for the government, but that only comes every two or four years. So we've got to find a way to plow through in between, but we sure must find ways to make those changes when we need to. If you want to join the show, if you want to comment or ask questions, love to hear from you. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. So yesterday, the president was at the White House, and he talked to reporters for a little bit. And he told those reporters at the White House yesterday that 96 to 98% of all of us, all Americans, need to be vaccinated before the nation can go back to normal. Now, this is Dr. Joe. I mean, he's the he's trying to replace Anthony Fauci as the COVID god. Here's a, uh, a Democrat, a lifer in politics. Yeah, he got a degree, law degree, but I don't know of him ever practicing law on a private basis. But he's certainly not a doctor. But he makes himself look like the buck stops there with him on everything, including your health care. He said this to these reporters. I think we get the vast majority, like is going on in some industries in some schools, 96, 97, 98 percent. I think we're getting awful close. But I'm not the scientist. Well, then why don't you shut up about science if you don't know anything about it? You know what that word Assume means, if you assume the number is 96, 97, 98, assume means making an ass out of you and me. But one thing for certain, he said, a quarter of the country can't go unvaccinated and thus not continue to have a problem. Kamala Harris, vice president, actually made this statement in a public press group. She said that people have got to be vaccinated. We have to make sure people get vaccinated to protect all of us that have been vaccinated. Does that have a little problem in it for you? I mean, we keep being told you're going to die if you don't get vaccinated. Now when you get vaccinated, they're telling us they're going to die if you don't get vaccinated. I don't follow that. The logic is just not there. As of yesterday, more than 55% of our population was fully vaxxed. 
That's far below some of the highest vaccinated nations in the world, including the UAE, Portugal, Malta, all three of which have 84% of their population fully vaccinated. High vaccinated rates in nations around the world have not prevented outbreaks, and this is not supposed to happen like in Israel. Enough vaccine doses have been administered to over 80% of their population recently recorded one of the highest COVID-19 case rates on the planet. The United Kingdom, which has administered enough doses to cover about 70% of its population, has averaged the second most COVID cases in the world just over the past week. So Biden is scheduled to travel to Chicago tomorrow. He's finally going to get outside. He's going there to push more businesses to mandate the vaccine. The president had earlier this month ordered his administration to roll out a rule, an executive order in other words, that mandates vaccination at private companies with more than 100 employees. According to a Gallup poll released three days ago, 58% of Americans support Biden's vaccine mandate for companies. Slightly more, 63% support the mandate for healthcare workers. Now, you don't know any of the technology, any of the mix or the qualifications for that poll. As you know, polling entities can, they can fix the results by who they call to include in the poll and exactly what questions they're asking. Boosters are important, he said, but the most important thing we need to do is get more people vaccinated. Wow. That's our president. That's our president. Meanwhile, did you know this? Of all of those Afghan evacuees, we won't call them refugees, let's call them evacuated Afghans, less than 2% have been vaccinated. Coming from Afghanistan, most of them, almost all of them, but not all of them, coming through uh, points of checking and vetting along the way, like Doha, Germany, and other places around the world before they come here where they're supposedly vetted. Hardly any of them have vaccinations. Oh, by the way, there's no forced vaccinations by our government for any of those evacuees. And oh, by the way, there's no forced or mandated vaccinations for any of the hundreds of thousands, even a million plus of those that have flooded across our southern border. And we know a huge percentage of them are either sick or being unvaccinated. There is a chance that they're going to get sick. We don't know what they bring into the country with them in the way of a lot of things, but for the purposes of the conversation, COVID-19. And there's something else going on. You remember all those Afghans that... We all committed we were going to take care of them. If and when we left Afghanistan, we were going to make sure they were brought out with us along with their family members because they basically, they committed their lives to us when they went to work for us as Americans, our intelligence and our military over there. They basically had a bullseye painted in the middle of their back so that the Afghans or whoever else of the number of um, radical Muslims would want to take them out because they worked for and worked with the infidel. 
we thought they were all special visa immigrants. They all had those special visas. Well, yesterday afternoon, I heard Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. She said the evacuation of Afghanistan resulting in bringing people who were not vetted and trying to vet them on the back end when there's no way to do so, primarily because of the disorder going on in Afghanistan, only 3% of the evacuees were vetted under the process for those special visas. 3%. We were told that all of them were special visa holders. Senator Blackburn said, you have people bringing in, these men that are bringing in child brides. We've heard of these assault cases. We know that their indictment has been issued. We know the investigation is taking place on the attack on our female service member. And these are individuals who have not been vetted for COVID or for immigration status. There's a very specific vetting process for our special immigrant visa holders. But look, out of the people that they got out, they were bragging about this as an extraordinary success. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, he said that in his opening statement to the Senate Armed Services Committee just within the hour. Of all those people they're bragging about, only 3% actually were visa holders. 3%. And now they're trying to vet them on the back end. Oh yeah, we, we just got to get them out before they could get killed. You know, So we're going to take care of it. We're going to find out who they are. Senator said, and I like this, she said, you can't call 1-800-TALIBAN to find out if somebody is who they claim to be because your government institutions, your processes are basically non-existent in Afghanistan. The Taliban's a terrorist group. They don't give a rip about what we think about the people that came with them, came from them and came over here. How many of the roughly 120,000, maybe even more than that, what percentage do you think were of the Taliban ilk or some other extremist ilk that slipped into the crowd that are now over here? And just think about it. If 1% or 2% of them just came over here to surreptitiously plan to attack us, Americans, on our own soil. Can you imagine another 9-11 attack being perpetrated here as the outcrop of this, the way the Afghanistan withdrawal was handled? I mean, it could happen, folks. It could happen. More than half of your fellow citizens aren't confident in the Biden administration's ability to even vet these Afghans. The latest Pew Research Center poll shows that 55% of American adults, that includes 83% of Republicans and those who lean that way, don't have confidence in the Biden administration to adequately vet this 100,000 or so Afghans they're seeking to bring to the U.S. over the next 12 months for resettlement. And now they say 46 states. We'll get into that later, the 46 states. I won't even dig into it later on because of time, but let me just tell you what that means. This administration has notified 46 different state governors that they're going to bring those Afghans to those states. They didn't call and ask. They didn't call at all. They notified them, hey, we're bringing you this many of these Afghan refugees. 
About 27% of Americans said they're not too confident in the federal government's vetting process for these Afghans. Another 28% said they're not at all confident. Even among registered Democrats and voters who lean left, more than 30% said they don't have confidence in the vetting of Afghans. Meanwhile, 12% of Americans overall said they're very confident in the vetting of Afghans being brought to the U.S., and 31% said they're somewhat confident. Those are the folks that facts and history and things right in their faces don't really matter. Everything's just rosy. It's just rosy. So, there are a lot of people that look at what's going on at our southern border. They look at what's happened with these Afghanis being rushed over here. And they look at people that are detractors that say, you shouldn't have done this. We have immigration laws. And we do. We certainly do. And according to the Constitution, the U.S. Congress, House and Senate, have the unilateral authority to create the laws that regulate everything to do with our federal-rated, federal-basis lives. Everything that happens on a national scale They're the only ones that can craft laws and regulations to control that, to manage that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we're called the representative republic. We choose, we elect those people to go up there and serve the nation using what we feel, their constituents in their various congressional districts and the states in which they come from. They represent us, not the federal government in total, each of them that comprise the federal government. So my question is, you and I both know, there are very specific laws against illegal entry into this nation. And it doesn't matter from where. At our southern border, coming through Canada, coming by sea, it doesn't matter. It is illegal. It's a crime for somebody to come here without authorization. That's a law. And there are many other laws that are wound into our immigration process. All of those regulation and laws were soundly and loudly negotiated in debates within our Congress in both the House and the Senate. And those senators and those representatives, they all got together, they amended, they negotiated, they dropped this, they added that. But again, they were representing the United States citizens, all of us, in crafting these immigration laws and putting them in force to keep us safe. At the same time, being understanding and knowing that we have a responsibility to the world, not just to us. If the federal immigration laws are not good, why don't they change them? That's a novel idea. How did they change them? Somebody presents a bill on either side of the Congress, and the leader, in the case of the House of Representatives, that's Nancy Pelosi. In the case of the Senate, that's Chuck Schumer. They're the ones that decide which bills, which pieces of legislation are going to be allowed to be brought formally into their House, respective House, to be considered. And if they decide to take up immigration laws that are presented for um, debate or consideration, 
then they usually, in what's called regular order, they will assign each of those bills that come in to the respective committee in either the House or the Senate for the committees to take them over and start tearing them apart, finding problems with them, having hearings, debating some debates that some of the members of the committees bring in, and they find consensus at some point. If they work out their differences and they vote for it to come out of that committee and go to the House for the full legislative body, either the House or the Senate, to take it up and debate, that's what they do. If they don't vote it out, it just goes dormant. Nothing happens. That process is a little timely. It exhausts a little time, but what it does, it gives us a chance to get confidence that those that represent us, they're not just looking at something and saying, oh, okay, and just passing it without tearing it up and looking at it from every side, making sure that every piece of it is best for the American people. Why don't they do that? Well, Jen Psaki, the brain surgeon that runs communications for the White House, yesterday, um, she got pinned down about some of this immigration law stuff and about why, until the laws are changed, the Biden administration decides to turn its back on current immigration laws and just illegally and unconstitutionally not only allow their departments to break laws, but encouraging other people to break laws. I want to go back to the border uh, on Friday. The Secretary of Homeland Security said that 12,000 migrants were released into the U.S. to have their cases heard by an immigration judge. thousand were expelled via flights. We now have another group of migrants that's crossed the southern border of Mexico, could end up on the U.S. uh, southern border within the next month or so. Um, So does the White House believe the message of deterrence, uh, borders closed, do not come, is working? Well, well, Jackie, the White House believes that, and the President believes that our immigration system is incredibly broken. And we saw a surge. We've certainly seen a surge of migrants come to the border recently. We saw a surge back in 2019. We saw a surge back in 2014. Until we fix the system and we have a more uh, effective and operational immigration system, until we uh, have an asylum processing system that works at the border, we're going to continue to see cyclical challenges like this. Um, and we've seen them over dem- across Democratic and Republican presidents. So our objective continues to be um, not just addressing, obviously, uh, the challenges we saw in Del Rio last week, but working with Congress to get immigration reform passed so we can fix the broken system and ensure we can have a better operational process moving forward. It's going to get fixed when the immigration bill has been you know, stalled in Congress since the president took office. It's been tough to even get something like frozen bridges passed. Uh, that's coming to a head this week. How is that going to to work when there's also this backlog of uh, 1.3 million cases that are waiting to be heard? And on average, it's taking two and a half years for cases to be processed from the notice to appear to the case completion. That's almost double from a year ago. So what tools is the president going to use? Because Congress is very slow right now. Well, we would argue that for all of those Republicans who are standing at the border 
and giving speeches about how broken the system is, why don't you join us and be a part of the solution instead of relying on speeches? Because we can work together and get immigration reform passed and make the system work and make it operational. Well, we can have border restrictions that make sense. We can have uh, a humane system that ensures that people can apply for asylum in an equitable way. That's something we all agree the system is broken. I think the question is who's going to work with us to get changes done to make it better. Republicans are saying that a major reason that this bill can't move is because there's not enough border security uh, provisions in it. Is the president going to bolster border security in order to pass immigration reform? If, if Republicans are eager to have a conversation about comprehensive immigration reform, we're happy to have that conversation. We haven't seen any willingness or appetite to do that. All we've seen is speeches and talking points to date. Go ahead. A couple of points in what Saki said there. She's all over the place. I mean, she contradicts herself in everything she says. She opened this up. Her opening statement was, We have a broken immigration system. And then a minute and a half later, she demeans the members of Congress that are giving speeches at the southern border, and the speeches they're giving are, why don't we enforce immigration laws? Why don't we do what we all took an oath to do, which is to protect and defend and support the United States Constitution, which establishes the rule of law. And the rule of law says, you and I, we vote on members that go to Washington, D.C. and and serve us in the House of Representatives and the Senate, and they are unilaterally authorized and required to make laws, to regulate everything in the United States, and to change laws as circumstances dictate that that happens. Saki makes it sound like, hey, these Republicans don't want to fix this thing. I can't tell you how many draft pieces of legislation that I have looked at that were written and proposed by Republicans and Democrats alike to fix certain parts of the failed, broken, obliterated immigration system in the United States, and the Democrats refuse. What Saki didn't say in these words, but what she did say by inference, why don't the Republicans come to us and tell us we're ready to swallow the immigration bills that you've put out there that maybe only 10% have to do with immigration and the other 90% are giveaways or pork that have nothing to do with immigration? or they want to include some immigration regulations in the middle of an omnibus bill, like the $3.5 trillion bill that's pending before the Congress this week, that nobody's had a chance to even dive into and dig out what's really included. They wait till the last minute, and they want everybody, and they scream and holler, and they'll demand that you just simply vote up or down. It didn't go through committee. The infrastructure bill, the $1.2 trillion, it didn't go through any committees, regular order. This biggest bill in U.S. history, $3.5 trillion, that really is $5 trillion, none of it went through any committee, committee hearings. It was all just drafted by the minions of different people in Congress. Folks, if you ever wondered what 
was going on behind the scenes when they nominated Joe Biden to be the candidate to run for Democrat president. You couldn't understand why they did because he obviously had some cognitive issues, physical issues, mental issues, and his age was against him being able to be sharp for as long as he needed to be as president. You wondered why they propped him up and put him in there. He's a placeholder. This didn't just start, this $3.5 trillion piece of legislation, it didn't just start January the 20th. It didn't just start this year. This whole thing was put together in the back alleys of Washington, D.C., where lobbyists and full-time bureaucrats, partisan bureaucrats, came together over and over and over again, and they said, what do we need to put in this thing? What do we need to include it? What can we put in here that we can get if we make it part of this that we couldn't ever get it on a standalone basis? The same thing, the same way they did the COVID-19 relief bill, the first big one, the exact same way. They said, it's our way or the highway. We want all of this or we want to prove just the COVID stuff that you want done. But we're going to call it a COVID-19 relief bill. The infrastructure bill, Less than 10% of what's in that infrastructure bill has anything to do with infrastructure. But yet, the Democrats say, you vote for all of this, we're not going to vote for it if you just pull it out. Just the infrastructure stuff. And let's vote on just the infrastructure stuff. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. We've got to vote on all of it. If you won't give us all of it, you're not going to get any of it. And we're going to tell the American people how evil you are because you don't want to fix our infrastructure has nothing to do with infrastructure. It has to do with the crap, the fluff, the wasteful spending, the other part of it that they do time after time, bill after bill, law after law. They don't pay the price for it. You and I do. And they don't care. Your opinion is meaningless when it comes to the big picture of what goes on in Washington, D.C., Now, let me ask you this. We know about the hundred plus thousand Afghans that are coming over here. And Joe told us 46 different states are going to take these Afghans into their states and is going to build an infrastructure around and under them to take care of these Afghans because you were the greatest states in the greatest country on earth. Well, guess what's happening? what's going on, what plans are. Some of the blue states are already right now discussing plans to ask us, American taxpayers, to subsidize housing for these newly arrived Afghans brought to the U.S. by Biden's administration as they struggle to afford housing costs in particular cities. This is happening when tens of millions of American families that are here, been here, most of them born here, serving taxpayers, they struggle to make their housing cost. And yet Biden forces 100,000 plus down our throats and wants us to pay everything for them. They're hoping to bring 95,000 of them to the U.S. over the next year. Already 37,000 Afghans are in the U.S. and will soon need housing in about 46 states. In certain cities and regions, They're running into high housing costs. Go figure. You don't know anything about that, right? You're dealing with it yourself. Partially pushed up the cost. 
by the nation's legal immigration levels that bring millions of new arrivals to the U.S. every decade. All of those people who come here, they need housing. And therefore, the demand for housing goes up. But just because the demand goes up doesn't mean the people that need those houses have the capacity and the ability to pay for them. So the government wants you and I to do that. Population growth results in higher housing costs. Aside from San Diego, they all have higher population growth rates than the nation as a whole. That's according to Numbers USA's Andrew Good. San Diego is what happens when a locality won't or can't build enough additional housing to sustain higher population growth. But thanks to the aggregate pressures from national population growth, housing prices still go up. Hey, hey, hey. Somebody's going to make a lot of money, and it's not because the worth of the value, the intrinsic value of anything that they've got to have grows. It's because the demand for that grows. And it's an artificial demand that, in this case, is created by a president and an administration that simply ignores the rule of law, ignores immigration laws, ignores refugee regulations and laws that are on our books and our immigration policies, and just says, forget about all that stuff. I mean, he learned from one of the best, Barack Obama. He started it. I mean, he was very specific with Eric Holder, his first attorney general. They sat down and he said, here's the laws that I want you to quit enforcing at the federal level. Let the states take care of this if they want to. I mean, a dozen or so. How does anybody that swears an oath to the Constitution and the rule of law, how can they reconcile doing that? It's real simple, folks. They don't give a rip. We elected them. We authorized them. We gave them power. Basically, it's in our faces. You send us here to do that. Hey, 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 we're going to do it. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. iHeartRadio goes one-on-one with Selena Gomez with the best advice she has for her fans. Don't change for anyone, you know? I think that you constantly go through phases in your life where you meet new people or exciting people and you want to be everything that they want or need and it's just not worth it if you're not really happy with who you are and or if you're not wanting to be someone that you're not. It's just not worth it. Keep listening to iHeartRadio for more Selena Gomez and all your favorite artists. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. 
New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hey, do you remember that U.S. Marine who sought accountability from our military leaders when that Afghanistan withdrawal was going on? Well, guess what happened? You remember him? He made some noise and he said, I, I, I want my military lead. I want everybody to tell me why they did what they did and I want them to be held accountable for what's playing out on the ground. Guess what happened to him? Well, the U.S. Marine Corps dismissed from command after criticizing senior military leadership on the handling of the U.S. troop withdrawal is in the brig. All our son did is ask the questions that everybody was asking themselves but were too scared to speak out loud. That's according to Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller's father, Stu Scheller Sr., He was asking for accountability, nothing more. In fact, I think he even asked for an apology that we made mistakes, but they couldn't do that. And that's mind-blowing. Scheller first published that video. I saw it on his personal Facebook page on August 26th. He criticized the Afghanistan withdrawal. He didn't do anything different than I had done, live here on TNN Live. And boy, he drew some backlash. Defending that video, he published another clip saying he was calling for accountability of my senior leaders over obvious mistakes that were made. I'm not saying we can take back what has been done. All I asked for was accountability, he said, for people to comment on what I said and to say, yes, mistakes were made. And had they done that, I would have gone back into rank and file, submitted and accomplished what I wanted to, he said. Scheller's initial video was posted the same day that those 13 U.S. troops and more than 100 Afghans were killed in that bombing attack outside Kabul's International Airport. The terrorist group ISIS-K, which is an ISIS affiliate, claimed responsibility for that bombing. Suicide bomb, by the way. They had a gag order on him and asked him not to speak. Scheller's dad said he did. And they incarcerated him. They don't know what to do with him. Well, a spokesperson for Marine Corps Training and Education Command said in a statement that Scheller is, quote, currently in pre-trial confinement pending a preliminary hearing. The time, date, and location of the proceedings have not been determined. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller will be afforded all due process. The statement continued. Scheller's dad defended his actions, arguing he was only seeking accountability for military leaders. He's asking for the same accountability that is expected of him and his men, his dad said. I've had Vietnam vets contacting me, applauding him for his courage, because they too want to know, was it all worth it? And by demanding accountability and honesty from his senior leaders, that's all he was asking. And the way the Marine Corps has dealt with it, they have now put him in jail. Now, I'm not sure about what I'm about to say, but I'm pretty certain when you raise your hand and swear an oath to the United States to defend the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you don't sign away your constitutional rights 
the chief one of those is freedom of speech. This man, a lieutenant colonel, by the way, I mean, this is not a a stupid rube that just got into the military. Uh Uh-uh. This guy is an officer, a commissioned officer, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. And all he did was execute his constitutional rights in their throat. He's in jail. They're going to try him. I don't know what they're going to try him for. I heard this morning his big boss, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, former General Lloyd Austin, said he, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said it was a huge success, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I don't know a single America. Not one, a single American that looked at that and watched what happened and the way it happened that felt like it was a win for anybody except maybe the Taliban. Certainly not any American and certainly not the Afghanistan people. People died. People died. Marine Corps members died following the orders of our military leaders. And none of them had to die. That's the whole thing. But guess what? All he wanted was for the three guys that are right now as we sit here, speaking in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee, all he asked was that for those three and any others that were in the decision-making loop to admit that they did it and that they made mistakes. And he's in prison for that. Who are those three? General Mark Milley, Joint Chief of Staff Chairman, Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. And then there's McKenzie, General Kenneth McKenzie. He's the head of CENCOM, Central Command. Those are the three guys that made all of the final decisions about everything to do with the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was a total failure in the eyes of most Americans. People died, and people will still continue to die because of the decisions these three made. Lloyd Austin, Mark Milley, Kenneth McKenzie. McKenzie's the one that pulled the trigger on that drone strike. And that drone strike was what was supposed to show everybody in the world, hey, 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 we're the United States of America. They can bomb us. We're going to smoke them. We're going after the bad guys. And they killed seven kids and a non-combatant Afghani man in a car that was supposedly holding ISIS terrorists. They never even apologized for doing that. Lieutenant General Kenneth McKenzie, he's the only one of these three that admitted any wrongdoing. His was about that drone strike specifically. These are the top guys in our military, folks, and they do not want to apologize. Their actions speak loudly that they are inept and they're incapable of leading members of our military. And these are the three gentlemen, folks, that are the ones that make all the choices and decisions about everything, everything to do with every part of our military. That's scary to me. The New York Times, as always, when anything happens in our world that has a or could even have some type of political perspective, 
New York Times always jumps all over it. And of course, they always find any derogatory reference or conclusion that they can draw on any story they write negative towards any conservative, especially a Republican and, and especially a Republican in power. Well, they jumped all over that southern border thing, the horses and the Haitian immigrants and the beating and the whipping with the reins thing. And of course, when the truth comes out, of course, they're not going to do. They very seldom will ever admit that they made a mistake or did something wrong. And you never can take back what you said the first time. But you can always try to just basically be a real good person or a real good entity and be truthful and just say, hey, we screwed up. It may have been a big deal, but you didn't do anything wrong. You reported about something incorrectly. Well, they did correct an article from last week. In the article that was re- that was published last week, it stated that horseback Border Patrol agents used their reins to strike at running migrants. The Times Correction states the original version of the article, quote, overstated what is known about the behavior of some Border Patrol agents on horseback. They didn't say they were wrong. They said the article overstated what is known about the behavior of some Border Patroller agents on horseback. Their White House correspondent, Michael Scheer, wrote an article on the 24th. He reported President Biden's call for consequences for Border Patrol agents' actions against migrants crossing the border near Del Rio. In the original article, Scheer wrote this, quote, President Biden vowed Friday that Border Patrol agents who mistreated Haitian migrants crossing the Rio Grande will pay after an investigation calling the scene at the border horrible to see in his first comments on actions by his administration that have drawn severe condemnation from many of his own supporters. It's outrageous, he said. I promise you, those people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. The images of agents on horseback chasing and in some cases using the reins of their horses to strike at running migrants came as Mr. Biden's administration moved to forcefully round up and deport more than 2,000 of the 15,000 migrants who gathered in a makeshift camp in Del Rio. Thousands more have been moved to other parts of the country or have been released with orders to appear in court later. That was his first story. Well, since that time, The photographer who shot many of the images now that are at the center of the controversy said he didn't even see them, the agents, whip anybody. His name is Paul Ratje, R-A-T-J-E. He's a photographer. He said his photos have been really misconstrued. And among those who apparently misconstrued the images, by the way, is the President of the United States. To see people treated like they did, horses running them over, and people getting strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. That's what Biden said. No investigation, no consideration and the benefit of innocent until proven guilty. He looked at the pictures And he said, guilty, guilty, guilty. This is a guy that is an arbiter of the law. He's a lawyer. 
Forget about being the president of the United States. He's supposed to know the presumption of innocence is the greatest right in the rule of law guaranteed in our U.S. Constitution. And he stands behind the biggest bully pulpit on the planet and calls these guys guilty. And they weren't. He didn't even wait for an investigation. The gall of this man in the White House, it just goes up in tenor every day, it seems. Or maybe it was always there, and we just didn't know it. He didn't let it slip out until now. It's, it's like daily. Something new comes out where he just basically shows he is just a hard, hard core authoritarian ruler. Associated Press journalist Sarah Blake Morgan tweeted a video taken from the middle of the Rio Grande that showed these three horse-mounted Boda Patrol agents attempting to block a group of those migrants from entering the U.S. The agents in this video don't appear to have struck any of the migrants with reins. As the lack of evidence that agents struck, whipped, or strapped migrants with their horses' reins, the New York Times published a correction. Let me read you their correction. An earlier version of this article overstated what is known about the behavior of some Border Patrol agents on horseback. While the agents waved their reins while pushing migrants back into the Rio Grande, the Times has not seen conclusive evidence that migrants were struck with the reins. Now, Shear's corrected article, now dual byline by Katie Rogers, states this. This is the corrected version. It's outrageous, Mr. Biden said. I promise you those people will pay. There will be an investigation that's underway now, and there will be consequences. Later, Pippi Longstocking, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, added that the president was not prejudging the outcome of the investigation. You think? That's exactly what he did. Images of Border Patrol agents on horseback waving their reins while pushing migrants back into the Rio Grande have prompted a torrent of criticism from Democrats and civil rights groups who have accused Mr. Biden of continuing some of the most aggressive approaches to immigration put in place by Donald Trump. The Times article went from claiming Border Patrol agents were using their reins of their horses to strike at running migrants to its current version that said the agents were waving their reins while pushing migrants back into the Rio Grande. That characterization is just as bad. Pushing migrants back into the Rio Grande sounds like they're trying to drown them, doesn't it? The original article also doesn't appear to provide any of the numerous photographs taken at the scene to provide some context for their now-debunked claims. I know that all surprises you. And by the way, the Maricopa County debacle, it's just keeping everybody going around and around and around and around. I urge you, read it for yourself. Read the audit report yourself. We said we were going to post it at the end of yesterday's show. i got to confess to you, we forgot about it. We'll post it at the bottom of today's story. Today's story 
We'll put it up at the bottom in PDF format. You can pull it down and read it for yourself. The results are obvious. You can see them for yourselves. Bottom line is 23,344 mail-in ballots that came in and were counted and included in the audit. They came from prior addresses. Prior addresses. People didn't even live there, but yet they voted. 23,344. Don't know if those were duplicates or not, but that alone. And there are thousands more, folks. Thousands of other things that were unscrupulous, were actually fraud, no question about it, that there is no doubt in any reasonable person's mind that read the results of this audit from top to bottom. And they're exhaustive, but they're very in-depth. If I lived in Maricopa County in Arizona, or if I lived anywhere in Arizona, because if it happened in Maricopa County, you know it happened elsewhere in the state, I would be all over my state government representatives to straighten out this election system out there. I would not trust them, the ones that let this happen. Now, there are people that are in office that knew, obviously had to know what was going on. We're facing something as a possibility of this happening in our state of Louisiana. Our Republican Secretary of State just beat the drum over and over and over again and gave a contract for managing our upcoming elections to Dominion Voting Systems. Why would that happen? Well, I can tell you why it's happened around the nation. Dominion funded from the outside to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. And oh, by the way, controlling interest in Dominion was bought by the Chinese Communist Party through a shill corporation it was discovered. Nobody wants to talk about that. You don't think the Chinese Communist Party and on the watch of uh, Xi Jinping, you don't think they would want to manipulate votes in America to their benefit? And if they own the company that has contracts with, I think it's 31 states now, to provide equipment and software for elections, if you don't think they'd do that, you need your head examined because that's exactly what they do. And since we're talking about Xi Jinping in China, the White House confirmed yesterday that Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping discussed Huawei CFO Ming Wenzhou with President Biden just days before she was released this past Friday. Now, why would she be being held? She was being held in Canada. And she was being held in Canada at the request of the U.S. government. Well, who in our government would do that? Former President Donald Trump. And she was doing, she was being held because of some things that she had done that impacted us. It should not come as any surprise that President Xi raised the Huawei officials, Saki said, but again, there was no negotiation on this call. The call between Biden and Xi took place on September 9th, lasted an hour and a half. That's according to Biden. The Biden Justice Department dropped charges against Wanzo, setting her free from house arrest in Vancouver. She was arrested in Canada in 2018 during the Trump administration, charged with violating trade sanctions on Iran. After she was released on Friday, 
China released two Canadian detainees, Canadian citizens Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavar. Saki also confirmed Biden raised the cases of the two Michaels who were imprisoned in China during his conversation with Xi. He raised the two individuals to two Michaels who had been released, she said. But she denied that Xi and Biden negotiated the two cases during the call. These two leaders raised the cases of these individuals, but there was no negotiations about it, she said. Let me just, if, if you believe that, if you believe that, if you really believe that, write me an email and convince me that they didn't discuss this in that call. China repeatedly denied that the arrest of the two Canadians was in response to Ming's 2018 arrest. Saki also denied any connection. I think it's important to note and to be very clear about this. There is no link, she said. We have an independent Justice Department. I just can't believe that. I mean, I'm sorry. If it quacks and waddles, it's almost always a duck, and in this case, it's quacking and it's waddling. We've used an hour and 40 minutes of our time today. My goodness. There's so much to talk about. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to put old Don Lemon front and center. CNN, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. They have a lot of things to say about Americans, unvaxxed Americans. And of course, they're medical. Both of them are medical professionals. They know these things. Kind of like Biden. He knows these things too. CNN, Cuomo and Lemon. Up next at TNN Live. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. At Target, our first priority is the health of you, your families, and our team members. That's why we now require guests to wear a mask or face covering and continue to provide masks and gloves to protect our team members. Every day, we deep clean our stores and wipe down carts and baskets after every use. And you can always count on easy, contactless shopping options like drive-up and same-day delivery. We believe in always taking care, and we'll always do that for you. Learn more at Target.com slash a bullseye view. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. In a world of change, one thing remains constant. The bedrock of truth. Welcome to the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org I don't know about you, but sometimes in all the chaos and the noise and the deflection, I just get nauseated. I get sick at my stomach. And I guess it's not so much that, you know, we, we hear these lies because that, that's just part of the process. And we always in our lives, we run across people in every walk of life in which we share any commonalities with some people that they just do it. And in most cases, it's sad to say, but there's really no reason. They just lie just because they're talking. We call those people pathological liars. But we've just got to push through. We've got to find facts. We've got to be able to just make sure that we're confident 
that the decisions we make, especially those really, really important decisions for our families and ourselves regarding everything, not just health care, but everything, that we make the right choices. And so as you probably know, Chris Cuomo has, he's facing a very credible allegation from a very credible person about his sexual uh, prowess and his taking advantage or attempting to take advantage of a very powerful woman. And um, we're going to get right to the specifics there. But first, you remember Megyn Kelly? Megyn Kelly was for a long time, she did a nighttime show at Fox News. She left and went to see, uh, excuse me, NBC. She got a very lucrative contract to do a morning show. And she got crossways with some NBC executives and left there, but she got paid out a $20 million contract. So she's not hurting. So yesterday, she had Tucker Carlson on a podcast that she's doing now. And uh, Tucker and her had a, a pretty deep, not long, but pretty deep conversation about Chris Cuomo and all of this. Before we get into the Cuomo story, listen to Megan Kelly and Tucker Carlson with their synopsis of Chris Cuomo. I do think in the case of Chris Cuomo, he's clearly getting fired. So you for think? those, oh yeah, I mean, sure, well, of course. I mean, Shelley Ross. I mean, for you've been in the TV business for decades. Shelley Ross is not a you know she's not a line producer. Shelley Ross like was the person at ABC yeah. News for a long time. Jeff Zucker, who's Chris Cuomo's boss obviously knows Shelly Ross really well. I know Shelly Ross. Everyone knows Shelly Ross. So um, it's not a small thing at all. This is a very powerful person accusing Chris Cuomo and proving that he acted like a pig. I just think it's, I think, and I think there's, I mean, I don't think I know um, because I've actually seen the complaints that there's a lot more. So he's done. And I hope, and I, other women, do you mean other women or more from Shelly? I just think, you know, these things are always a pattern of piggish mm-hmm. behavior. I have I no know, information that Chris Cuomo broke criminal law. I'm not or maybe he did. I'm not. A, I'm hardly a lawyer. But, you know, he acted like the pig that he is. I get it. You know, there are a lot of people like that in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's no question he's getting fired. I think Chris Cuomo, while he annoys the hell out of me and I focus on his bad qualities, has a ton of energy, for one thing, which I love. That's a great thing to have. And I hope that, you know, I really do. I hope for everybody who's wrecked in public that there's a moment of reckoning and that there's a redemption. I, I really feel that way. I'm not just, I'm, this is not. So some, I agree with that if it's a one-off. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I, if you say something stupid or whatever you do, even if you do something stupid, I get that. And, I, and I'm with you. I mean, I'm a Catholic at heart, so I'm big into forgiveness. And um, But what I what I see in him is a, is a pattern of deception and boorish behavior yeah. over many, many years. I mean, you could just look back over the past couple of years with the stupid pretending to come out of the basement thing, you know, his miraculous Jesus walk out. Like, oh, please. CNN let him abetted his lies in that respect. He, you know, he he was out with COVID on the streets. Okay, fine, whatever. That's what he he lied about that too. The stuff of helping his brother, going right to cancel culture, not listening to the women, all while looking into the camera, Tucker, and saying, "I care very deeply about these issues." Oh, please, a certain male gesture comes to mind. Um, so it's just one thing 
after another. And to where I look at this man, I say this is not an honest broker. He should not be on TV. I, I don't really want to see a bunch of redemption if it involves him looking into a camera night after night spewing more lies. I couldn't agree more. And the thread that ties together all of this behavior is falseness. Falseness. That's the thread that ties it all together. Well, anchor at CNN Don Lemon on Monday during his handoff from Chris Cuomo said that supporters of former President Trump were not in reality and should face consequences for the damage they're doing to our democracy by believing that Trump won in 2020. Lemon said this, quote, There is one political party in this country that is working on reality, and that is the Democratic Party. But even in that, they're not governing very well at the moment. They're not performing the duty of being good politicians in the moment. They don't see the urgency of what is happening across the country with voting rights, the urgency of what is happening with the big lie. They are still operating on thinking that, oh, everything is normal. You know, we've got to play politics as usual. Well, it's not politics as usual. What is happening of the right is not politics as usual. What is happening on the right is not right. It's wrong. They should pay the consequences for what they're doing to our democracy, the damage they're doing to our democracy, and the damage they're doing to this republic. And he wasn't through. He continued, We listen to the fringes too much. The fringes have the loudest voices. The fringes all the way on the right have the loudest voices. The people who are not, you know, playing with reality. The Trumpers, we listen to them too much. And Lemon added, I'm telling you, if you're a Republican and you care about what is happening in this country, you need to get on the Democrat side to get your party in order. That is the only way to fix it, you know. Yeah. The Democrat Party, that's the party to fix everything. You know, those people that believe in everything's free and the government will pay for everything, that the wealthiest of wealthy people in our nation that pay 40-plus percent of all of our taxes are evil. And, of course, Don Lemon happens to be one of them. Chris Cuomo happens to be one of them. But they're above all of that. They'll find ways they have connections. And, of course, then there's this thing about the right to life. Oh, my gosh. How can anybody, anybody be trusted that says they're pro-life? Oh, my gosh. That's, that's devouring and just destroying women's personal health care rights. It's a woman thing. It's a sex thing. If you don't agree with abortions and the fact that women should be able to just arbitrarily decide, ah, I don't want that and have an abortion, you don't believe there's life then? You're deplorable. You deserve to pay a price. Now, let me tell you this. It may seem for a second that this guy in saying this is just somebody that is just a crazy in the tank, far lefty, can't hurt anybody, has no power or authority. Folks, people listen to him. Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, and everybody else, they're on a national news network, CNN, owned by AT&T. 
lots of bucks behind this this broadcast network. It's not broadcast, I'm sorry, it's a cable network. It's the first entirely news network on television, cable or broadcast. Even if they only appeal to and have an audience of several million people, that's several million people that are tuning in and they are digesting this dribble. And folks, a lot of people, they're not inquisitive enough to cast their eyes around the landscape of ideas that are out there about every issue and make an educated choice, which is what we try to do here with your cooperation and your input at Truth News Network. And they just believe what somebody that sounds credible will say to them. And folks, those two guys, there's three there, Anderson Cooper, Chris Cuomo, and Don Lemon. You put all of those three guys' perspectives in a hat, and you can't come up with 5% of what they disseminate to the nation and even credibly in any fashion call it truthful. These are people that demand that we consider them to be the intellectual elites of the nation. They are endowed by whoever, in this case by their bosses, two of these three men are gay, and I'm just pointing that out. I'm not demeaning them in any way, but if you have any kind of negative thoughts about anything to do with them and the choices that they make, you're evil. And they want the destruction of you and everything you stand for. But it's okay for them to do the exact same thing and think something about you and me. That's okay because they're endowed by somebody with the right to arbitrarily determine anything and everything about anybody they so choose. And we have no authority or right to question them about anything at any time. Wow. We're, we're just slap out of time, folks. The show today has been good. We're glad that you joined us here today. Make sure sometime around noon today, you're going to see that, uh, that Maricopa County full election audit of the November 3rd, 2020 election and the fallout from all of that. I mean a real audit. We're going to post it in PDF format one document you'll be able to download. You can look at it, share it, send it around. And I encourage you to even think about doing that. And there's an executive summary at the beginning of it. Um, you can parse that and send that around. Everybody you want to get in educated, they can look at the synopsis that was written about it. But let me just say this again. In no way, absolutely no way, does this audit in any fashion does it support the thinking? Does it support the saying that Joe Biden was fairly, legitimately, and legally elected president of the United States? That is a fact. I'm telling you, that's not my opinion. That's a fact. I turn to the experts, the auditing experts, Look at it and read it for yourself and you determine it. So what's ahead this week, folks? (laughs) 
There are so many moving parts in our government, so many moving parts and important things that are happening around us, pending legislation. I mean, these two big bills, a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that's just barely any of it is infrastructure, that's pending. And then the big banana, $3.5 trillion in a budget reconciliation bill that is 90% bunk, junk, wasteful spending that we can't afford. We're all over these things. We're on top of that and everything else happening. So thanks again for being here. We're glad you're supporting Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. You have a great Tuesday. We're back tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time Sharp. Make a phone call. Get somebody to join you. We'll see you then tomorrow from TNN Live. So long. Like you.